Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Muddy Knees Media. Hello and a warm welcome to the Offside Rule. I'm Kate Borsay, woohoo! And like you, I'm guessing, seeing as we're all back at home right now, or most of us anyway, I'm snuggled up under my duvet, well it's over my legs actually, in my little mobile recording booth, keeping you warm in these chilly days. Alongside me to help keep things toasty, both the ears and the heart, it's our usual duo of Lindsay Hooper and Hayley McQueen. Hi ladies! Hello! Oh, well, hi. Hi. Now, how are you two little pumpkins? We're fine because we're both tier medium, aren't we, (laughs) Hayley? Correct. We we luckily took the sensible move of moving out of London. (laughs) And my God, hasn't that paid off in 2020? Flaunting your coronavirus tears around like there's some kind of currency. Um, Hopefully you'll be listening to a lot more podcasts to keep you company uh, because of the lack of social interaction that you're allowed indoors. And of course, it's too blooming chilly, isn't it, now to spend too much time outside. You can't pop out for a picnic anymore, can you, ladies? You definitely can't. You've got to crank up the heating now. Mm. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that so much of football is now virtual and therefore warmer? I'm quite I'm quite enjoying it from my um sofa to be honest. I can get cheaper snacks. I can wear whatever the heck I want. Mm. I can put the central heating on. Um I just can't invite round as many people as I'd like for a football viewing party, but yeah, I can do it all in the comfort of my own home. Admittedly, yes, I miss going to a stadium and having a, a hot dog and nachos <laughs> and Maltesers <laughs> and a couple of beers and then a glass of wine and seeing my friends and fans and being part of the crowd. But right now, I think as a, as a, as a sleep deprived mum, I'm quite happy in my armchair, n- nodding in and out of sleep, depending yes. on what match I'm watching, girls. You've been to a few games, um, Lindsay. Is it harder now there's not some people surrounding you for that kind of group warmth, little penguins huddling together effect that you often get at matches? 
Oh, absolutely. I used to do that. I used to make sure I positioned myself right in the middle. You don't ever want to be on the end of a row. So when a you, couple of large men yeah. in puffer jackets, preferably. You'd see those press seats and you'd think, because sometimes I'm actually um, asked by um, sound engineers and they, they'd be saying, oh, where, where is it you want to sit? Which is a real luxury to have. And I'd always say, in the middle. <laughs> Please put me in the middle. But I don't get to do that anymore because there's no one cushioning me anyway. Um, I I will give you a reason there aren't many are there to say it's a good thing not having crowds there aren't many reasons at all but I will give you one I'm going to tease this for later because uh, coming up in the show we're going to talk odd jobs in football and when we get to that bit I will give you a reason why having no crowds has been a good thing in one area okay All right. Well, we'll look forward to that, as we will the rest of the show. Uh, Coming up, we're talking out of our arsen. (laughs) Yes. With Wenger's (laughs) book coming out, now's a good time, as any, uh, to tell our tales of meeting the big man, the tall man, the man with the endless legs. Uh, We're also going to be, as you mentioned, Lindsay, talking about the weird jobs in football. That's after Forest Green Rovers signed a singer. Yes. But first, we're gearing up for the weekend. This news just in, listeners. The Athletic is extending its £1 a month offer for all new subscribers, meaning you can get unrivaled analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, plus a brand new breaking news service and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts for just a quid. This deal won't last forever, though, so don't miss out. Sign up today at theathletic.com slash offside. Well, the Premier League is back this weekend. Hurrah, ladies! Yes, it gives us all a chance to see some of those shiny new signings in action, maybe for the first time, or maybe we get to glimpse another sighting of those fine summer transfers. So let's look forward and cast an eye over week five of the Premier League with these new signings under the spotlight. Hayley, I'm going to ask you who you're going to look out for. I mean, Cavani's not going to be involved in the weekend's actions anyway, so it kind of gives me an excuse to not talk about Manchester. Particularly good for you guys, because obviously I'm like a broken record. (laughs) I'm actually going to focus on Manchester City and one player in particular. I'm just wondering if Ruben Diaz can live up to basically filling the shoes of Vincent Company, seeing if he can change that back line because my goodness, um, yeah, I've got a little bit of defensive jealousy when it comes to Manchester City, particularly with what's happening right now with United and Harry Maguire. I don't even want to get into that. Um, But for Manchester City, they do need a quick fix. It was the first time in 686 games as a manager for Guardiola that one of his sides had actually conceded five goals in that last game. The first time in 400 and 38 home games that City had chipped five. Um, so, I mean, he's got a lot to do, but they, they have someone as well now with leadership qualities. I watched him playing for Portugal, um, uh, for Portugal against France. I'll break down the stats in just a moment, but he was already captain of the Portugal under-19 side when he was uh, just 18 years old. Um, he played, he did really well in the 2016 European Championships. He went on to then lead his nation at the Under-20s World Cup and he made his debut in May 2018. He's obviously a regular starter now, 19 caps to his name. Um, It'd be interesting to see how he deals with the scrutiny as well. You can imagine if he kind of misplaces a pass or someone dribbles past him, they're going to say, you know, he's a bit of a waste of money. But it'd be nice to see him have that relationship with Emery Laporte. It'll be good for Pep Guardiola to, to no longer kind of need Fernandinho in the role that he's playing 
at the moment. Um, and when you just look at some of the stats, there's only one thing that obviously you worry about with Ruben Diaz. But in that game against France, he obviously played the full 90 minutes. He had 57 touches, 51 accurate passes, 96% pass accuracy, six accurate long balls, just two clearances and one interception and one ground duel one. So as far as obviously the stats go in terms of passing and touches, things are looking very promising. And I know you can't just go on stats, can you, ladies? Um, but I do think he's going to be a bit of a shining star for Manchester City. And if you're a City fan, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. But he does have a lot to live up to and it'll just be whether he can deal with that pressure for for City. But again, it'll just be good to see um, a big team battling up there, mm. um, trying to obviously make sure that there is a rivalry within the top four or top six and not just the two anymore. We've seen what's happened with Liverpool and obviously it's Everton that are reigning supreme right now at the top of the league and there's not just one player I'd pick out from, from Everton's new signings. There's a whole host of them, I think, collectively are going to be absolutely brilliant and exciting to watch. But I just picked Diaz because I very rarely talk and big up Manchester City. Is he loud? You know, when you watched uh, during the international break and now yes. we've got that benefit yes. of no crowd noise. Is, yes, is he, he shepherding? Is he, he was yeah? very much so. And he, he looked very much like... Um, uh, an organiser, how that translates when you're obviously Portuguese and you, you, you come to the Premier League. I'm not too sure what his English is going to be like. I'd be, be pretty like scared so. if a Portuguese person was screaming at me. Yeah. Anyway, um, yes, OK. Well, you've made a convincing case there, Hayley. Uh, Lindsay, who have you identified? Well, when you mentioned player cam and you said to me about that, I've, I instantly visualised, I went back to very early days when I entered the media industry and I, I got some work experience at Big Brother. Bear with me for a moment. Um, but <laughs> this is I, such a Lindsay Hooper story, by the way, everyone. Go on, carry on, Hooper. I was given the duties, um, Big Brother 2, we're going back some time. <gasps> Who with? Um, Who was in I, Big Brother 2? Well, do you two? remember Brian Dowling? Brian, and do you remember yes. Welsh Ooh. Helen? Yes, and yes. wasn't it Kate? What's her face? Uh, well, I don't on... know any of the okay. others because those are the okay. only two that anyone ever voted for to be followed by the fan cam, which oh, used to have to follow them round the house. And that was one of my duties as a work experience was to, with this fan cam, follow their every movement. I used to have to follow them to the toilet. They, I used to have to then, what? as they took their microphone pack off or turned it off so that you didn't hear anything. Um, but I'd follow them everywhere around the house. And that was the visual that I had with this is a player cam that you want to watch their every move for this game week because it's someone that either we haven't seen for a while or someone that we is we're expecting to do big things um by the way that big brother story does have another term because i was on duty one of only about four people the time that someone jumped over the big brother fence if you remember that <gasps> there was yes. a break-in there, there was a break-in uh, anyway that's another story so um i i instantly thought who would i want to follow around the pitch um and instantly I was thinking, I'm going to Chelsea Southampton for work anyway. And with Kepa being now sidelined and, and Edward Mendy coming in, I, I was thinking, right, that, that's easy, easy choice because you want to know what this new goalkeeper's like. I want to follow him for the 90 minutes. However, and we all know this was going to happen during international break, he went and got a thigh injury when he was playing with Senegal, didn't he, during the international break. Mm, so goodness okay. knows what Frank Lampard's going to do. It scuppered that plan. So I've had to go back to another player. And I've seen all the training footage. I'm sure you have. 
of Gareth Bale at Spurs this week. He was one of my picks, but go on, carry on as well. Well, I haven't... This is a complete decoy, Kate. You can still have him because I was watching all these great goals of him in training and the way Mm -hmm. that Spurs... I feel like they're bigging him up that he might get some minutes and that we all should be getting excited to see Gareth Bale back in the Premier League. But yeah, I, I think it's a decoy. And I think the person that we should really be watching is someone that we've already had an eye on and he's been rested for two games in the international break. And that is Harry Kane. Three goals, six assists in the Premier League so far this season. Spurs play West Ham on Sunday and I think he's going to have a blinder. So I think Harry Kane is one of the players that I'd be wanting to follow with my camera. So when we say brand new signings, Hoops, we've had a a lovely story about Big Brother. Uh, (laughs) You've just glanced over over Bale and you've given us a new signing from 1925. Um, (laughs) But it does link me on nicely to Gareth Bale, the tantalising prospect of a player being dovetailed by Harry Kane and Mm Hangman's song as well, doesn't it, in the form of Gareth Bale. The problem is we just don't know what to expect from him, do we? And there's a lot of pressure. His former manager a former manager and uh, his agent both suggested that his signing was going to be the difference between Tottenham's bid for the Premier League title. Mm. Um, and he's got this, He's well, he's basically become a bit Teflon, hasn't he? His kind of joker actions pitch side at Real Madrid, pretending to be asleep, preferring golf to football for a significant amount of his time when he was in Spain. He's got something to prove now, I think it's safe to say. So he's had that knee injury, which has sort of kept him out of contention since signing. So this weekend could well be the first start for him. I haven't had a quick look back at the press conferences yet, actually. But... um, It will give the side a big confidence boost, of course, having a player of that quality. Maybe it will put some fear into the opposition. Do you think there's anything to that as well, if you've got this big Galactico? But I think think he's got to be careful because he sort of became a bit of a mockery, a bit of a joke in Spain. So he needs to, you know, very seriously put in some very, very good performances. And, and then do I you think, think people will just love him again. Do you think maybe he laughs, though, when he sees all his medals over breakfast and his oh, trophies? Yeah. Do you think he's <laughs> the one laughing? Do you think he's having oh, no. a little bit of a giggle? I'd be, I'd be eating my cornflakes out of the trophy out of it, in yeah, the morning. Exactly. Without yeah, even a spoon. You know, just, it back. Just, yeah, just grab, grab both kind of, you know, handles, hand for so, hand and just so sipping it. So you don't it. think he's got anything to prove? Um, yes. Well, judging by this, judging by the footage that they have released, he's scoring mm. with his left, his right, his head but from distance. That's to put fear into the hearts of exactly. the opposition. Exactly, but a bit of psycho and a whatever, whatever psycho babble. You know, the, there is something to be said about you know not having the trust of your bosses, not being respected, which I feel mm. that maybe he felt. And that's all changed now. So when he does get his opportunity, I, I think the biggest warning with Bale at the moment is. Is he match, match fit? Um, Does he need a little bit longer? Is he someone we should be talking about the end of November, not in October? Um, So so that's what I would say as a cautionary note. Potentially. Hayley, you mentioned Everton, didn't you? And I just flagged up that we might get to see Ben Godfrey. He came into Everton from Norwich City. 25 million was the price tag on him. Um, He put in a really good um, performance, actually, for the England under-21s in their defeat of Turkey this week. And Ancelotti said... Um, that if Godfrey is ready, then he will play him. Just add to that that Yerry Mina um, 
was injured. I think he's got a thigh problem, so he didn't play for Colombia during the week. So we may well get a first look at Ben Godfrey. You just wonder how it's going to work, though, doesn't You know, he's gone from Norwich City. There's big expectations now with where Everton are in the league, and you just wonder if that kind of flatters them. Yes, they've had, what, is it six or seven wins in a row. That involves, of course, um, cup competition. They had that big win over Tottenham on the opening day of the season, but their other wins have been against West Brom, Palace, West Ham and Brighton. So not top 10 teams, I should say. But you just wonder with the mix of, you know, they've got Decore, obviously from Watford, who was a big money signing, who knows exactly what to do in the league. But then you've got Rodriguez signing from Real Madrid. And you just wonder what he is going to contribute. Um, this is in terms of personality as well, alongside Godfrey, who's just come from Norwich City. Then you've got Alan, very experienced, uh, you know, player who's come from Italy, from Napoli. When you look at the, the, I the love other him, players, by the way, he's yeah, a fantastic player. Alan, Seventy million pounds they've spent. I just think it's such a mix. Um, Sandra Ramirez, who of course came in, for, I can't remember what club it was, but it, I don't think a fee was paid for him. Uh, Olsen from Roma, Norwich, Watford, Real Madrid. Napoli. I just think it's such a mix of players. It'd be really interesting to see what Ancelotti does with that and, and whether tactically he'll kind of stay with the formation that he's, he, you know, he's used to. He always endorsed that 4-4-2 and especially defensively as well. Um and you just wonder, I mean, Moyes obviously tried 4-1-4-1 for quite some time. You just wonder how Everton are going to suddenly just slot all these players in and just find a formation and just breeze their way through, through the league with such a mix of, of these names. A big, big match, of course, this weekend with the Merseyside derby. Now, just to prove that I can read a brief... I have got a new signing. <laughs> okay. Well done. Um, and it's a huge derby, another one. Palace against Brighton, one that we don't talk about That's so much, true. but it is a big one. Um, Michi Batshuayi. I think he could be the difference. This is where my player cam is going next. Um, I think that a striker is what Crystal Palace have been calling out for. They had a great start to this season. Uh, just before the international break, they did pick up a defeat. But this is a striker that internationally is in Britain brilliant form. Seven goals in five starts. He scored for Belgium against the Ivory Coast as well in the last couple of weeks. So I think he's the one. Batman, bring him back. (laughs) Quick shout for me for Thomas Partey. Can we stop with all the puns now, please? But needless to say, there could be a good old-fashioned knees up, couldn't there, as uh, Arsenal take on Manchester City away. What a game to get started with. He's expected to partner Granit Xhaka in midfield. I feel like... He could be one of the missing pieces in the jigsaw of Arsenal, couldn't he? We know that their soggy centre's been um, been a thing for quite a few seasons. Uh, could it all play into Partey's hands? Well, that's it then. No more Partey puns to be used. I used up all mine on Monday. Okay, <laughs> Definitely no Partey's up and down the country, that's no, for sure. Enough, enough. <laughs> All right, well, those are the players to watch. We'll wait and see what happens this weekend. And as we saw last time, anything can happen. Up next, fancy an artistic director. Well, you might recognise that music, Massive Attack. Why is this a massive deal? Well, how about this for a job in football, ladies? Artistic director, normally found 
in theatres, in artistic venues, uh, in um, artistic and cultural organisations. Never before in football, as far as I know. Uh, well, that's exactly what Forest Green Rovers have done, by the way, the world's greenest club. They've gone and signed an artistic director from the band Massive Attack. They've brought in Robert Del Nea, or 3D, as he's known in the musical sphere, uh, <laughs> to oversee, well, what? Here's Dale Vince answering that exact question on the Totally Football League show. What it exactly means, we don't know. Uh, and for me, that's part of the excitement. It's like an exploration uh, the idea of an artistic director in football is entirely new, uh, but I feel sure there are there are big things we can do there together. Is this just their image or how they're seen? Because we know they're obviously this this vegan club and they're sponsored by Innocent Smoothies. I've got on any other business regarding this club as well a little bit later on. I'll, I'll save that for then, but it's a, it's a poll. It's been online. Jeff Stelling got involved. It's very funny. Oh. But I mean... What what are they actually paying him for? I could understand if it was like a Real Madrid or something and they're bringing an artistic director to, you know, carefully look after kind of the commercial side of things. But I just I just don't understand. I just don't understand. How much money are they going to be paying him and why? Or does he get a stake in the club? Could that be it? Definitely, definitely not stake with an EA. Oh, my God. Ladies, I'm just looking forward to seeing giant theatre curtains all the way around the stadium. I'm looking forward to seeing flashing lights. I'm looking forward to seeing a reimagining of the theme tune, whatever the walk-on tune is at Forest Green Rovers. I'm looking forward to seeing that performed, socially distanced performing, of course, (laughs) by ballerinas and other movement artists in a conceptually visual way. Wow. Really looking forward to that. So arty-farty. They can borrow the Wolves light show Mm. if they like, because that's very impressive. (laughs) Okay, So that opens up a world of possibilities, doesn't it, ladies, for weird and wonderful things in football, uh, maybe some strange job experiences. Uh, What can you tell us, uh, Hayley? Well, you just wonder how many staff work at a Premier League football club. How many staff do you think work for Arsenal, for example? Have a guess. Well, they're down a dinosaur. Playing staff, yep. So you're down one. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a ballpark figure of about 450 staff. Okay. What do you think, Kate? I'm going to go for. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for more. Actually, if in doubt, in these sorts of games, always go more. Uh, so I'll go 580. A thousand, just wow. over a thousand. Wow. Yeah. United is 970 staff. Staff. What the heck? I know, I know. And I'm sure some of those are weird and wonderful jobs. I just haven't managed to find any that are particularly quirky. One of the jobs I think I would love to have, I remember at Manchester United, um, John and Matt Peters, father and son, were official photographers and they literally followed United everywhere. So they were the two people that got to see exactly what was happening at Manchester United behind the scenes, every party, every tour, every game. You can just imagine the catalogue of photographs that they have. They've been there decades as well and they're obviously very trusted Um and uh, I mean, I, I I went to the party where unfortunately United lost in the Champions League final in Rome and John and Matt were there at the very end of the night, as was I, um, the press officer and a few others up, up dancing and he was taking photos. Luckily, I've never seen those photos because I did end up on the dance floor um, on my face uh, after accidentally slipping <laughs> as they were taking the squares of the dance floor away at six in the morning, trying to kind of um, get everybody off the stage. Um, yeah, so I, I'm glad those didn't surface but I'd, I'd love a look 
um, on their USB stick or wherever it is that they keep all these images going back decades of the kind of behind the scenes uh, look at, at, at Manchester United. Be grateful for, for the fact that that was pre-social media, Hayley, yeah. when you were on your face. Oh God, um, I know. Could, could you imagine? And now there will be people that literally do social media for it. footballers. But so they should. I think that is actually an important job and just educating them on what you can and cannot put I on social so, media. I guess but then you lose a bit of originality. You do. I yes. actually have a very serious point to make. Okay. Um, genuinely think that every single Premier League club and if you get promoted to the Premier League, it should now be a requirement. There should be a carbon offsetting director or some sort of carbon neutral programme now for every single Premier League club. Yes, mm. I've got caught up in the David Attenborough programme on Netflix. Oh, but yes. I'm going to go and take this a step further. I've done my research, ladies. And, you know, the World Land Trust, I did promise this at the start of the show that I give you um, a reason why no crowds has been a good thing. Well, the World Land Trust estimated for the Champions League final alone it usually generates 10,000 tonnes of carbon and no crowds have seen it be estimated under 3,000 tonnes. So that goes to show. And I was thinking about all the things mm. that Premier League teams do, travel up and down the country, mm-hmm. the plastic passes. I know they're trying to reduce that, but we still get so many of those. Mm. Uh, the, the waste food, too much paper, building plastic new cups. stadiums, mm. training facilities, you know, building new stands. All of these have a knock-on effect with the environment. Um, Real Betis, actually, in Spain, are one of the, the football clubs that are part of a climate pledge at the moment. But I think this is something, and we talked about Forest Green Rovers on this on this show I think it's something that should go global and if you're a top tier club in any league across the world you have responsibilities because you're playing in the top level and you're probably playing in world competitions uh, there's a lot of travel involved and you should have someone in charge of offsetting all of that yeah I also remember being at Manchester United and um, some of the things that some of the staff members had to do that they shouldn't have been doing was quite funny. I remember sitting around in reception with lovely Kath having a cup of tea. It was Karen Shotbot at the time who wasn't the the, the press officer, um, but she did have a, a big role within the media department at Man United, was on the phone really stressing out. It was all to do with these light bulbs that needed to be changed. I'm thinking, how hard can it be for a footballer to change light bulbs? But fair (laughs) enough. It's probably a huge mansion and they need, you know, double ladders to get to the top of this grand house. But it was it was actually the light bulbs in the outdoor swimming pool. So slightly more difficult to replace. Maybe. Yeah. And she was having to organise this and I'd kind of laughed at her and she she told me who it was and she said, God, she went, some of the things we get asked to do, she said you just wouldn't believe, you know, People texting her saying, oh, when do the bins go out? What do I do? Where do I take them? How does it happen? So she said, you end up being a PA for these footballers. But there's so many of them with such big squads now. Like a nanny. A nanny to a fully grown player. Yeah, it's kind of no (laughs) surprise that they do have their own PAs. Remember that Jermaine Defoe article from a few years ago when he wanted a PA? That was very funny. We covered that on one of our shows. That was a good wage, by the way. Yeah, it Um, was. I I also remember some player liaison officer at a club um, saying that they once got a phone call from a player because their goldfish was swimming round the pond the wrong way and they were a bit worried about it yes judge for yourself i forget who that was now we'll wait and see what possible jobs come up next who knows in terms of what's up for us right now it's mr wenger this is the offside rule with kate borsay lindsay hooper and hayley mcqueen
Now, you might have noticed that Arsene Wenger's got a new book out. Uh, we mentioned last week that he's going to be on this week's Graham Norton show, and he's also been on the Totally Football show as well. So, here's a game for both of you. Who is Arsene Wenger talking about here? Honestly, from outside, I don't understand it, and I don't know why. I don't know really what is the reason behind it. Uh, it cannot be financial, you know. I don't believe that uh, it can be financial. So... Uh, I regret it because I knew him well and uh, I hope the solution will be found where we can keep him. He, mm. he is an important part of the team. <laughs> Do we need another clue? No. no. Let's have one anyway. It's okay. part of the whole uh, process, you know, when you come just to the stadium, he greets people, he greets... Uh, it's, you feel suddenly, OK, we are at home, we play a game at home and uh, that's, it starts now. So it, 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 and it's a nice uh, gesture that the kids like it as well. If you go, the parents go with their children. It's fantastic enjoyment. It's something green, isn't it, Hoops? It is. It's a mascot head that Haley's not thrown up in. <laughs> Prehistoric vomit. Uh, the Gunnosaurus, of course, that Arsene Wenger was talking about there. And you can check out the whole episode of that, by the way. It's, it's really good. There's some really good stuff in there. Um, check out the Totally Football show for that. I thought it was really interesting, Linz, what he was saying about, about losing a bit of technicality from the game at the moment and what he thought about the next kind of phase, the next style of play of the game was also interesting as well. He was talking um, about thinking ahead and about strategy, which was yeah. also really, really good. I, I found that really intriguing. There's so many lovely moments, actually. But there's also a little part where he talks about a few players that through heavy tackles and heavy injuries didn't reach their potential. And he yeah. mentions Aaron Ramsey and Jack Wilshere as a couple of those names. But really listen to that um, because it was interesting in the, the shift of medicine and science and how everything changed through Arsene Wenger's introduction to Arsenal and, and what he developed there at that club. But he also acknowledges that there's a few players that probably um, through that transitional phase... Um, ended up suffering and he thinks will suffer later on in life too yeah, I know. through I those injuries that bit as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. look, Linz, you spent pretty much the last five years of Arsene Wenger's reign covering Arsenal. So, uh, ladies, I'd like our favourite Arsenal anecdotes, please. The funny ones, the serious ones, the downright sweet, cuddly, ugly ones. Uh, Lindsay, what stands out for you as um, Mrs. Arsenal on this, uh, the elected Mrs. Arsenal on this podcast? <laughs> Tell well, us of your experiences. Well, given how long his reign was, only for the very last bit, as you say, like the last five years of his reign. But I did a few one-on-one interviews as well as a lot of press conferences and waiting for that announcement that we all thought was going to come, that he was leaving the club that seemed to drag on towards the end. And, and I, I didn't really enjoy that part of it because um, he was someone that was held in such high regard it felt at the end like a lot of people were, were gunning, uh, which is the word, I suppose, for Arsenal. But they, it felt like they were gunning for him at the end. But hopefully he's now um, remembered as he should be. But a, a couple of different things. There's a few different conversations that I had. The, the moments that I, I remember most with him were at open training. There's there's a section where you go and you, you watch training and you get to film that for press. Um, and those were usually the moments that if he came over, you could have a little chat. And I do remember having a, a brief exchange with him about Matthew Flamini and the fact that I think it had come out in the press that week that he was going to be a billionaire. And I was joking with him about
about how many footballers will go on post football to actually earn more money than they did whilst playing. Mm. And um, and he was, yeah, this will never happen again. You know, Matthew is a, a one-off and he's making so much money post football. Um, and I really enjoyed that conversation. And, and another incident, um, which you may remember, and that was in the press conference, was do you remember when George Weyer was um, elected as Liberian president? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and of course, he was coached by Wenger when he was at Monaco. And there was this quote that had come out and it was put to Wenger on this press conference day. And he said, besides God, I think without Arsene, there is no way I would have made it in Europe. And the way that he just laughed and talked about George and he said that his life story was a miracle. And it was this quote on the day and... Uh, the way that he talked about him and he ended up going out there and I think getting some acknowledgement from from George Weyer um, and the country. I think he went and did an honorary visit and I found those stories and those anecdotes just so fascinating. Um, and the, the George Weyer one was, was brilliant. I remember speaking to him about that in further detail on a one-on-one and we did a little piece around it. Um, but easily, and I hope I hope he's not listening actually to this. But one of the funniest things that ever happened was I I think my car was having some work done, and my partner dropped me off at the training ground. And because I'd come to to know Arson a little bit, he um, he slowed down as he saw me being dropped off, wound down his window, and said hi, good morning, and waved, and then drove up the the road towards the training ground. And I had a text message from my partner who had no interest in football whatsoever. And it just said, who was the old man? And I thought, <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, how out of touch with football do you need to be to not recognise Arsene Wenger? <laughs> Hayley, I only interviewed him the once, um, which might surprise you, because I'd interviewed most managers, obviously, ahead of Manchester United playing um, various teams and was very lucky in my early years at Sky Sports, used to go to a lot of press conferences, but I only had the pleasure of interviewing him once and it was a tribute um, programme we were putting together about Sir Alex Ferguson. Of course, he's the man that had, you know, not the greatest relationship with him. Mm. They did have respect for each other, um, but there was that great rivalry, a little bit like he had with Jose Mourinho as well. But I remember... Mm-hmm. Was that the reason why you didn't interview him as much? Was he not probably. as around for media stuff, you know, probably. because of the sort of sour relationship? Yes. And mm. I think this was when Sir Alex was actually retiring and, and we'd asked Wenger to, to speak about it. And he spoke so brilliantly about him and very respectfully, but... Um, and covering sort of the club channel, or no, I think it was at Sky at the time, actually. He was like, oh, I don't really want to push him for some of the things that he'd said about him negatively in years gone by. I remember um, Sir Alex had said that when Man United were third um, in in the league in the year that Arsenal won the title in 2002, um, he'd still claimed that you know, United were a superior side and, and, and Wenger's response to that, and I love some of his quotes, Ferguson's out of order, he's lost all sense of reality, he's going out looking for a confrontation, then asking the person he's confronting to apologise. He's pushed the cork in a bit far this time. <laughs> The cork. Um, the cork, that's it. And he had a bit of a dig at Sir Alex as well, going way back to 2005. Um, he's out of order, disconnected with reality and disrespectful. When you give success to stupid people, it makes them more stupid sometimes <gasps> and not more intelligent. Didn't forget, did he? Blimey. Yes. So 15 years ago, that's oh, what he said about me. Sir Alex and obviously yeah. having to, you know pedal away um, speaking about him in in, in a yeah. glowing way all these years later. But I, I guess that's just what happens, isn't it? You know, one of my favourite quotes from, from him, 
he speaks a lot about wife and women and the woman in your life and, and your other half. Um, how it feels to lose top spot in the Premier League. He said, well, everyone thinks they have the prettiest wife at home. Just as simple as that. Everyone thinks they have the prettiest wife <laughs> at home. Just a random little nice quote bit of thrown French, in there. French philosophy yeah. there. Yeah, that's um, it. Also from the Totally Football Show um, podcast with um, Arsene Wenger was the line from him, the best way to win is to play in a way where everybody expresses their talent. And he went on, the pleasure in football is to give moments of happiness. And he has given me a lot of moments of happiness, ladies. Are you going to every time, Mars? <laughs> And he's enjoyed his little moments of happiness with interviewers as well. Listen to this. With regards to sex, Mr. Uh, sex, sex, I can't say. With regards to sex, Mr. Wenger. Yes, that's your point. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot interview. <laughs> <laughs> you can always tell what's on his with mind, the, can't you? Okay, with regards. And I do not want to interview. <laughs> <laughs> and that just sums him up for me. He's he he's very courteous. He's very charming. His his wry smile. I mean, I covered um, Arsenal for a couple of seasons and went to some of those press conferences a bit like Ulin's. And I remember one, he sort of said, by the time you see me again, I'll be this, this and this. And so when the time I saw him again, I challenged him again on it. And he just looked at me and gave me a wry smile in that charming way and just said, well, you can see I still don't have the answer for you. But he was so charming about it. He didn't ever take offence at you challenging him, really, um, as long as you weren't rude about it, I yes. suppose. And that's what I give him great credit for. In fact, if you watch those interviews back, he's always he always lets out a little smile and then he gives his answer. And I just think that that's, that's ultimately a great way to be. And I can always just really remember him fondly for, you know, dealing with female reporters when, when there wasn't a lot of us around, just dealing with us really well, really fairly, um, and just making us feel welcome um, at Arsenal as well, which was which was great. And um, by the end of his reign as well, I, I wondered, Kate, when you were in the press conferences, whether you noticed this too. But I, I felt like I twigged on that every time he started an answer with "look," that it was maybe a question he didn't like yes, so much. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> He's also had this great relationship with clothes as well. I know you um, watched quite a few training sessions, Linz. Just those kind of Peter Crouch rivaling legs in those under leggings that you get. If you ever saw Arsene Wenger in training, he just these little bony legs. Um, with these you know, meters and meters of um, of um, underleggings, um, and of course, who can forget the puffer coat? Not just the puffer coat, not just the zipper. Um, there's also the fact that he couldn't put his hand in his pocket. There's a great meme, isn't there, where he's looking at the action, he's trying to put his hand in his pocket, and he keeps missing the pocket. And you're like, it's, it's like one of those YouTube videos. Just put your hand in your pocket. Just put it in there. And he can't do it. And then, of course, the repeated struggles with his jacket that became such a familiar sight, didn't they, on the touchline? He just couldn't work it out. This is a man, um, though, that spoke seven languages and we ridicule him for the puffer jacket. And I know I'd be the same. The first time. He didn't learn the first time. And the gag kept going. You know, he just he just should have figured it out or got one with Velcro on or something. But he said years later, actually... That, that the coat was too long. He had that really famous, quite quite wide one, didn't it? Made made for a man of his height, but not a man of his slender build. And he basically said a few years afterwards that the coat was too long. I had cold hands. My technique wasn't that great. Mm. Yes, Aww. I completely agree with that. Any more for any more on Arsene Wenger? Well, you were just chatting about how, how he treated um, female journalists, reporters. Um, and I think maybe this, this, this quote kind of sums up 
how he treats football teams like women. So he'd said, a football team is like a beautiful woman. When you do not tell her, she forgets she is beautiful. Oh, all very random, but very lovely. French. Very I'm not, French sure, I'm not sure about all these when analogies. You tell her, but... she forgets she is beautiful. <laughs> you just want to say it in French, along with "No, je ne regrette rien." Okay, let's move on to any other business. Alrighty, it's any other business. This means the smaller stories from the week that you might have missed. First up, it's Haley. Right, Forest Green Rovers. <laughs> there's been a there's been a protest in the media, hasn't there, against innocent smoothies. Now you'd think innocent smoothies getting involved with a team like that, with a club like that, great, have them on board. Um, the world's first vegan club. But um the sponsors want to rename the New Lawn Stadium with the smoothie making company in the title. But they decided innocent drinks to put it to a poll. Have you heard about this? No. Yes. I so, even I even put a suggestion forward. Did you? Oh, okay, yes. cool. So they said, you know, thanks for your stadium name ideas, everyone, when they put it to us. It said, us and, and Forest Green Rovers have picked out the only four that weren't completely terrible for the fans to vote on. What's your favourite? One of them was overwhelmingly popular with 65% of the uh, vote. So there was the innocent Sustadium, the innocent New Lawn, the innocent Fruit Bowl, or Kevin. Guessing sixty-five point three percent vote. Yes, Kevin. A whopping sixty-five percent. That wasn't my um, suggestion, by the way. <laughs> no, the, the marketing director of Innocent UK, um, Anna Bateson, said we have no idea who Kevin is. And then Jeff Stelling gets involved after um, a fan had tweeted, "You know, everyone is so going to choose Kevin." I've even it, I've attempted, but we'll use my vote for good. So a good fan there making sure that she voted for one of the other names. But Jeff Stelling said, "If it is Kevin, it's guaranteed a mention every week." There you go. Brilliant. Love that. Absolutely love that. Lindsay Hooper, what have you got? Well, I just want to remind everyone that the domestic transfer window closes on October the 16th. So depending on when you're listening to this, it might have already slammed shut. I can't believe I'm using the cliche of all cliches. Um, However, (laughs) I'm just going to rattle through a few that you might have missed, a few moves. Um, Craig Dawson has gone from Watford to West Ham on loan. Um, West Ham have been quite active in this market in the championship. They've also agreed a deal from for uh, Sayed Ben Rama from Brentford. They needed to be active, didn't they? I think I think so. Yeah, I think this could be quite a good deal for them. And after eight years away, Nathaniel Klein is back at Crystal Palace. He signed a short-term deal following his summer release from Liverpool. Those were confirmed deals. There's also speculation around, you know, Spurs being linked with uh, Swansea defender Joe Roden, Danny Rose could he end up at Middlesbrough, Josh King at Bournemouth still being linked with West Ham still um, around for another player there and Leeds apparently have got interest in Todd Campwell at Norwich so we'll see if any of those go over on the final day. Mm. Did you think you were going to get through the whole podcast without me mentioning Project Big Picture? PBP as it's known, ladies. Awful name, isn't it? It's just, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like um, a government sort of initiative. curriculum-based educational, yes, initiative, it does. It's taken another twist, ladies. FA chairman Greg Clark had said he walked away from Project Big Picture uh, talks in the spring when the principal aim of these discussions, he said in a letter to the FA Council, became the concentration of power and wealth in the hands of a few clubs. 
with a breakaway league mooted as a threat. So he said he walked away at that point. However, the Telegraph have said, as of Thursday, that Greg Clark did actually propose a Premier League 2 and B teams. So he may have been a little bit more complicit than he says. It all rumbles on. Of course, it is a non-starter, but at least it at least it was a suggestion and I guess um, it's only right that the argument or the initiative or something is 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 probably picked up from here. The conversation, I'm sure, isn't over. Well, on that note, ladies, uh, it's time to put a smile back on our listeners' faces after all that uh, Project Big Picture chat. Um, and so thank you very much for tuning in. Lindsay, where can people find us? They can find us at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter, same on Instagram. And we also have a website, OffsideRulePodcast.com. And there's lots of articles that you can digest there. There certainly is. Hayley, how do people give us a five-star review? Well, that's it. There's no such thing as a one, two, three, four star. With us, you just simply click the star at the end of the row, which is five. And that's all you need to do. And we thank you. Yes, we thank you very much for your reviews. Do get them in, guys. We'd love to hear what you have to say um, about the show. Here's one, ladies. Uh, our, Our most recent one is from last week. And it says, very simply, insightful and lighthearted, well worth your time. Thank you. I love the podcast, says Sue Jackson, 82. I love these. I love these girls. Brilliant, they say. Please add yours too. We'd very much appreciate it. Uh, Lindsay, where are you this weekend? You told us earlier, didn't you? Yeah, I'm at Chelsea Southampton. I'm finishing a yoga piece at Arsenal this week as well. I'm speaking to Jens Lehmann about that. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, Bendy Jens. What's going on? Bendy Jens, as he likes to be known. (laughs) And Hayley, which match have you got your eye on? Uh, yeah, obviously I won't be attending a game, but I wish I was at Celtic up against Rangers. First old firm of the season, obviously Rangers top of the table, just a point separate these two. Celtic, yes, they played a game less, but obviously if they win, they will go above Rangers. I just think this rivalry is brilliant and um, yeah, carrying on into this season, kind of where we left off last season. So just to see who comes out on top of this one is going to be really interesting. And Stephen Gerrard, interestingly, um, has been in the press just in the last day or two. I think today, actually, the the odds have been cut on him getting the next England manager position. So people are already talking about him replacing Gareth Southgate. I mean, how times have changed. Just last summer, he was, you know, an absolute hero and a god, the toast of England, guiding them to the World Cup semi-finals in Russia. Now, it's like, when is he leaving? When is he out? Couple of defeats and um, yeah, performances but, that well, we don't love. But two love. games ago well, beating Belgium, who are number one in the know. world. It's yeah, but so I think they're just a bit uninspired, Fickle. aren't they? Anyway, listen, that's probably a chat for go. another week. Ladies, yeah. thank you for joining us. <laughs> Listeners, thank you for listening to us and we'll speak again next week. Bye! You've been listening to The Offside Rule, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside at OffsideRulePodcast.com and by following at OffsideRulePod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletics football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule is a Muddy Knees Media production. Yeah. 
Yes, that music means one thing and one thing only. The Offside Rule WSL edition is back. Woohoo! And the WSL is bigger and better than ever before. Which means we need to do the same. And that's why we've got interviews with the biggest names, the brightest minds in the game, as well as all the in-depth match analysis you've come to know and love. Just search for the Offside Rule WSL edition, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or you can find us ad-free on the Athletic app. That's the Offside Rule WSL edition, out every Tuesday. Muddy News Media. Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.